This is episode 35 of the Mid Measure Podcast. 2023 is officially the year of, hey, agency or marketing team, how can we do more with less? Finance is giving you less money, but we still have growth goals. How do you make that happen? Because it's not like you were sitting on your hands this whole time. You've been trying to improve performance even when you were getting more and more budget every quarter. So today we're going to talk about frameworks from Scott's experience on how to improve results over time. Yeah. The impact of your optimizations or the degree to which your campaigns improve is an algebra formula. So your performance improvement equals the quality of data that you're using to inform your optimizations times the frequency of optimization. And so data quality is something that we all kind of struggle with, especially in a post iOS 14 world. Using siloed platform data is okay, right? That's a very common source of data. GA data can be good quality if you're running primarily like on search and social, but if you're running a ton of programmatic, quality of that data is less. You wanna make sure that you have the right tool that's able to give you the data that you need. So again, heavy programmatic or like video, GA is just not gonna be your best source. Something like an ad server or an attribution tool is gonna to give you much better insights into what's working. Yeah, and maybe to put this into layman's terms for what this formula is, right? How much we can improve performance depends on mainly two things. The quality of information that we have or how good is our information informing those optimizations because any optimization is basically an experiment. We have a hypothesis. We have some maybe data informing that. And then we're going to say, hey, I think if I pull on this lever, things will go better. And then it's how frequently you can do that back to back and compound those things. Does pulling that lever actually make things better? And then how frequently can we pull levers? And so I think by quality of data, we specifically mean here the specific data that is leading you to those hypotheses around what will improve performance. Are you getting accurate enough data so that you know the right things and your perception of what's actually driving performance in your campaigns is accurate? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the quality of insight or data that you have about your campaign and how it's delivering results. The ideal, if we were to design a solution in the abstract, right, I would be able to understand which of my users, my website visitors or my purchaser saw ads in one channel. And I would also be able to deduplicate and know if they saw ads in multiple places. That would be the ideal, the best quality of data. There's no guessing whether they saw one ad or two. I just know, and I can do that via deduplication. Yeah, I think that's really focused on the level two optimizations. And yeah, that's probably what we'll focus on most in this episode because that's what we specialize in. But something else to consider, go back, see the episode where we talk about the three levels of optimization. There are levers you want to be pulling in platform, levers that you're going to pull cross channel more frequently. And then the big heavy levers that you're only pulling every quarter or one or two times a year. Not everyone has access to all different types of data. If you're working with platform reporting and Google Analytics, you just have to know that like what the strengths and weaknesses of that data set are. And once you understand what data you're working with and the different types of levers that you'll be able to pull, how often you pull those levers is also really critical. There's a theory of marginal gains. Performance or change can be made a little bit at a time. And as those changes carry forward and the new changes compound on the old changes, the rate of growth or change grows exponentially. And there's the classic example of if I got 1% more money every day, 
It's going to take a long time to slowly build up, but there's going to come a point where 1% is actually a significant amount of money. And that 1% keeps getting bigger with every time that it compounds. Optimizations are very similar to this. If I can drive change in my campaign that reduces my CPA by only 2%, I got that gain in the last month. And I can assume that my campaign is going to stay or carry that gain forward to the subsequent month, to the next month. If I make another change, this time a 3% change, then I have my 2% change plus I have my 3% change. And every month thereafter carries forward both of those changes. So as I continue, if I only made 2% improvements every single month, that size of that 2% improvement gets significantly bigger. We have just modeled out what does it look like if you start with what we'll call very table stakes, three to one ROAS on your ad spend, right? You put a dollar in, you get $3 out. Very typical is what most agencies are expected to deliver. And if you improved one and a half percent or 2% or 3% every single month, the changes are really quite dramatic, but it does take a little bit of time. So if you were to get one and a half percent more efficient, lower your CPA by one and a half percent every month, after 12 months, you would go from a three to one ROI to a 3.6 to one ROI. So that's about a 20% improvement over the course of the year by making one and a half percent changes 12 times throughout the year. Now, if you just give that another 12 months to carry forward, you actually go from a three ROI to a 4.3 ROI. So really big difference. It does take a little bit of time for this to ramp up, but there is a lot of performance to be gained. Now, if you were to take the same monthly optimization, but instead of one and a half percent efficiency, drive 3% efficiency after 12 months, you'd be at a 4.3 to one ROI. So you would go from a three to one to a 4.3. That's almost a 50% improvement in your total ROAS in a year, in 12 months. Now, if you take that same process and you do it for another 12 months, two years after starting, you're going to be at a 6.1 ROI. So you have more than doubled the productivity of your marketing by making these steady, consistent improvements. Now, the reality is, practically speaking, as media practitioners and agency folks, you're, there's not going to be 3% of improvement every single month. I mean, we see this with clients that we work with, where some months we're making a big shift, 5%, 7%, 12%. There are some months then where it stays flat and there's no improvement. And then another optimization comes in and improves performance by a few percentage points. I think that's something to say, like, even if you have better data, which you know we believe we're providing, some of your optimizations are going to be duds and they're going to do nothing and it won't affect performance. And sometimes it hits an inflection point and you get 20% better right. in that month. And that's probably why you want to target these smaller changes. So my, the thing I've been thinking for the last couple minutes on this is if I were to take one big swing and successfully improve my campaign performance by 50%, or I took the marginal gains approach and I did a 5% over nine or 10 months, I'd be at the same performance in that time. Would the campaign that was doing marginal gains be more durable? Because what if a change in a platform, something changes in the environment that throws that other optimization off? I don't even know if that's a realistic thing that could happen, but it seems to me that these small marginal improvements would make a campaign more durable because any single optimization, if it hits a diminishing return or something happens that no longer becomes effective, you still have everything else working for you. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think the thing that would make monthly optimizations more durable 
would be the variety and quantity of learnings over mm. time. There's like a principle that I've been studying a lot lately, which is perfection over volume. And so they do all kinds of different studies, whether it's with someone who's playing guitar, someone who's making pottery, and they split people. Just to use a pottery example, there was a semester with pottery students, class was divided in half, half of the class was told at the end of the semester, you have to deliver one perfect piece of pottery as perfect as you can make it. And then the other group said, hey, your job is to deliver as many, build as many pottery projects during the course of the semester. Quality doesn't matter, only quantity matters. And what they found, both in this pottery example and in others, is that the people who did the repetitions, the volume, ended up producing higher quality products. And so I think that if you were to spend 12 months every month analyzing, optimizing your campaign, you're going to know it so much better and you're gonna know why and how these pieces work together much better than if you come in and take a big swing and improve results by 20%. Yeah. Well, and the thing is like, one of your small shots that you're taking might act, will probably get you a 20% improvement at some point over one or two years. That's happened for us right. with a client, right? It's like, hey, dial up Facebook, improve retargeting. Oh, hey, massive inflection point. We weren't going for that, but you know, there is some type of a, what do I want to call it? It's optimizations are disproportionate, right? There is, they can be. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a, I don't know if it's a power law, but optimizations are not always proportionate. It's always a guessing game. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it cuts against you, but sometimes it works really wildly well when you weren't actually making that big of a change. Yeah. And I think the other thing is like to use like a baseball example, if you get up to the home plate and you're like, I'm only swinging for the fences. If it's not a perfect pitch and if I don't think I can smash it to the outfield, it ain't worth it. Like you're going to get on base a lot less, probably score a lot of runs. Your teammates on base are going to be really annoyed that you're not right. But if, hitting if singles and doubles. Right. But if you're hitting singles and doubles consistently, you're going to score a lot more runs. And so I think like the frequency of optimizations is a lot like that. You want to hit singles and doubles consistently. You want to make sure that you're consistently getting on base. And look, from time to time, you're going to smash one out of the outfield. And from time to time, you're going to strike out too. It's just a much more consistent way. And then if we like take a half step back for anybody who's like a media director or above, like part of the agency life is what I'm going to call longevity of relationships. And you want to make sure that you have something interesting to talk to your client about every time that you meet with them, that you're building value, you're showing that you're doing work, that you have, right? Whatever the thing is, do you want to go and do 12 things all at once? Maybe there's lots of challenges with that. Like you won't know what worked or what didn't. The biggest one is you won't know what worked. If I make 12 changes, I'm like, one of those worked. Let me go undo 11 of them and see what happens. Back to eighth grade science class of designing your scientific experiment. You can only have one variable. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but there's also something to be said for, oh, there's eight things that we could focus on. These two are the most important. So let's talk about those and optimize those. And then when we meet with the client next month, like there's still six other things. Yeah. Go pick one of those. Actually, those two things like actually weren't that important. We thought these mattered a lot right. and our optimizations did nothing. So let's pick something else. <laughs> there's a lot that kind of goes into this and managing clients and expectations and the ways that like you can kind of position this, but it's more important to make f small, frequent changes than it is to make big, sweeping changes infrequently. I like that framework. So to recap that, 
the way we're going to improve performance is focusing on making small changes. We want to get the best data possible, try to be working across all three levels of optimization as frequently as we can, and then make sure we're pulling those levers as often as it makes sense to while we're still maintaining, let's say a level of visibility into what's working and what's not and not convoluting this process with pulling too many levers at the same time so we know what works. Yep. Okay, now let's jump into the best practices. What are the things we wanna avoid? What, what do the best media buyers do here? Yep, you're gonna build your media plan based on historicals, based on performance, based on client inputs, based on your knowledge and expertise. That being said, no media plan is perfect. And so, especially when it comes to performance campaigns, you have to push your winners and cut your losers. And moving quickly is part of the name of the game. So usually like when I'm launching a new campaign or a new tactic, I wanna give it about two to four weeks to really see how it's panning out and then begin making shifts. And we don't wanna to get too attached to our media plan and, but no, 17% of the budget to this thing like felt right. Felt right, but it's not doing shit for the campaign. We have to be willing to let go of the plan that we created and say the data says this, let's go experiment, let's go make this change. Yeah. The principle here that we coach people on, regardless of what platforms you're using for data or optimization, is you want to look at your spectrum of performance from best to worst. And best to worst could be cost purse, it could be profit, it could be volume. Um, and you want to say, how do I cut the bottom 2% in or between 2 and 5% off the bottom and allocate that to the top? And so you might find your channel that has the highest CPA and you might say, I'm going to cut 5% of my budget here. I'm going to allocate 5% to my lowest CPA. That alone has the potential to drive a really big impact for your campaign. So if this process is generally applied month in and month out, you cut the bottom and you add to the top. What happens is that over time, your average performance accelerates and increases and your benchmark, your baseline becomes higher and higher. And so there's no way to consistently do this over the course of the year and not be able to get to the end of the year and say, wow, Clay, look how far we've come because you're going to be consistently raising that average by two to 5%, whatever you're cutting off the bottom and to the top, like the average then goes up by that amount. One really good way to spin your wheels here, if you want to try to do this, but make no progress or maybe even regress is to only get your information here. See the top where we said data quality matters, only getting your information from last click and siloed data, yes. because you're going to end up your bottom performance or your, your worst performing channels, your highest CPA are going to look a certain way inside of Google analytics or in siloed data, but you're not getting the full picture there. So make sure that you know what job each channel is doing, because if you're cutting something like display, based on how many clicks it delivers or how many conversions it delivers. That's normally not the full function of display. Normally display, what we see is anywhere from 25 to 75% of its value, more like probably 50 to 80% of its value is in helping other channels convert better like search and social. And that other maybe 20, 30 to 50% of its value is incremental users it's reaching and converting. Yep. So, you know, so I would say pay extra attention to that with impression-based media don't be too gung-ho on cutting those channels. Just make sure you're aware that cutting money out of upper funnel media could also deteriorate performance at the bottom of your funnel. Yeah, 100%. All right, so next best practice here is that when you find a channel that's working well, in the spirit of pushing your winners, 
you want to have a plan to push that spend and to be able to step up that budget. And so the easiest thing is to sit down and decide how much money do I have? Or do I have incremental funds or do I have to take from another channel? And so you want to continue to keep allocating budget until your CPA reaches whatever your ceiling is or until your spend doesn't equal more overall results. If you're using platform data and Google Analytics, you're gonna find that at some point you've added 10% more budget to a channel, but your total results in Google Analytics have stayed the same. That's probably like one of your best indicators of diminishing returns, but also your CPA ballooning, right? You're gonna allocate, let's suppose your CPA is $50 and you keep allocating 10% more budget every month. There's gonna come a point where your CPA goes from 50 to 55 to 60 to 65, and then you're gonna put it down, it's gonna go from 65 to 95. And you're gonna be like, oh, that's too far. And it's time to dial it back and reel it back. Yeah, I remember when I was working on a campaign, we were selling professional genealogy services and I'm managing the AdWords account. This is what happened to us. We kept increasing spend, but CPA kept getting higher and our cost to acquire a customer just kept getting higher. And we realized we are hitting diminishing returns. Like we are capturing all the really high intent people here. And now we're sales team is, we're just talking to a bunch of people who are kicking the tires. You know, what I wish I would have known at the time, we should have expanded into Facebook. We should have been running Facebook ads because the demo of people who are buying professional genealogy research, definitely on Facebook, heavy in Facebook. One thing we did well was expanding into Bing, but that's this, that's probably the moment too, when you want to look at other channels and say, Hey, I have maxed out this layer of yes. the funnel. What's the next step up? Exactly. So that leads us to the next principles that when you are growing spend in a channel, you have to quantify how that channel is impacting your current spend. So the best way to do this is to quantify if I put a thousand dollars more in, how much of that thousand dollars went to go and reach incremental new users and convert new people. And how much of that thousand dollars went to support the conversion rate of my existing channels. And so you have to quantify both halves of this. And from a growth perspective, an ICPA, the cost to drive an incremental conversion is going to be your best indicator of how to allocate that budget to drive scale of results. All right. So to wrap up the best practice here, this is like about managing clients and client expectations. So a lot of times when I had clients that were easy or difficult to work with, it's because I did or didn't do this well, but it really helps before the campaign starts, ideally is to just manage their expectations and explain how you're going to evaluate what is and isn't working and your process for optimization. This kind of transparency builds trust, but it also means that as you're going through this process, they're not going to be like, my CPA is over target. Why, where's that 20% optimization to just slash my CPA? Like it's actually like, this is how we're doing it. We're making improvements. And so as you show your work and bring them along and you set out at the beginning that this is going to be a process, not an event to get to your CPA target or to drive scale, your clients will more easily approve your recommendations. And over time, the trust that this builds means that they're going to probably scrutinize your work less as, as long as things are going well. Let me add that caveat yeah. in there. If things aren't going well, you expect clients to draw closer. Yeah. You probably need higher quality data or you need to be optimizing more frequently. Yeah. <laughs> And so the bonus here is if you're able to, at the outset, get approval to shift budget between tactics in order to be able to hit their goals without explicit approval. This is something that I did that was always a little bit like different from like my other media director counterparts was like, I would explicitly ask my clients, Hey, you gave me a hundred thousand dollars to spend this month. Can I shift budget 
amongst this 100,000 as I see fit based on performance, as long as I hit this goal. I don't want to come back to you and say, hey, I'm moving $2,000 from A to B. And then two weeks later, hey, I'm moving $3,000 from C to E. I just want to go and make that change. Not every client's going to authorize that. Some will, some won't. If your agency doesn't operate that way, that's okay. This just, from my experience, helps with speed of optimizations. You're not like having an insight on a Monday, waiting to your client meeting on Thursday or Friday, and then like making the change or you're just able to kind of make things on the fly. These are their like best practices that I found that really help to be able to drive performance, be able to see how things are working and get that, get your spend aligned with the channels and tactics that are going to drive the best success and performance improvement. Perfect. Hopefully you have a couple ideas now on how to start optimizing better and get that performance improvement moving faster. Good luck doing more with less. You're not alone. Know that. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Oh, and if you're looking for a better way to prove that your campaigns are working and find the best ways to optimize spend, we invented bimodal attribution so you can see exactly how ad spend turns into results and make more of your campaigns. You can learn more about PMA at mintmeasure.com. See you next time.